Hello and welcome back to West Bank Bible Church Podcast. I'm here with Pastor Merritt, and today we will be doing the Doctrine of the Lord's Supper. And we should have an outline up for that as well. But before we begin, as is our custom, let's remember 1 John 1 9 as may or may not be necessary. Thank you, David. The Lord's Supper is often called many things, but we'll continue to hit the highlights of the various titles and and uh, hopefully provide you with an analysis of why we do it and uh, the importance of it. But again, keep remembering First John 1, 9, because without the confession, you won't learn. Here we go. The doctrine of the Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper is the single ordinance left for observance in the church age. It is also called the Lord's Table or Last Supper. It is to be observed periodically as determined by the pastor-teacher in each local church. At the West Bank Bible Church, we observed the Last Supper on the first day of each month. Scripture does not tell us how often we are to observe this ordinance. In 1 Corinthians 11.26, we are told, As oft as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show or commemorate the Lord's death till he comes. When we observe the table of the Lord, as uh, it is also known throughout the world, we show the elect and fallen angels that we expect and look forward to His coming, that is, the Lord's coming, first at the rapture and then the second advent. Jesus Himself implemented this ordinance. Matthew twenty six twenty six through 29 makes this clear. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink ye all of it, for this is my blood of the new excuse me, of the New Testament, which is shed for many 
for the remission of sins. But I say unto you, I will not drink henceforth of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And then Mark, in Mark 14.22 said, And as they did eat, Jesus took bread and blessed and brake it and gave it to them and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they drank of it. And he said unto them, This is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many. Verily I say unto you, I will drink no more of the fruit of the vine till that day that I drink it new in the kingdom of God. So we have Matthew's record, which uh, he was there actually, and Mark who got his information from Peter and provided it for us. And then Luke, in Luke 22.15, reading through verse 20, And he said unto them, With desire I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say unto you, I will not any more eat thereof until it be fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took the cup and gave thanks and said, Take, eat, and divide it among yourselves. For I say unto you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God shall come. We have no reason to believe that Luke wasn't there as he continued to write in 22.19 and 20. You recall he was a physician. And he writes in verses 19 and 20, and he took bread and gave thanks and break it and gave unto them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you, this do in remembrance of me. Likewise also the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you. All right, David, now you tell us about Paul and his writings in the letter to the Corinthians. Excuse me. Paul rebuked the Corinthians for their abuse of the Lord's Supper. In 1 Corinthians 11, verses 17 through 22, Now in this that I declare unto you, I will, not pray, I will praise you not, that ye come together not for the better, but for the worse. For first of all, when ye come together in the church, I hear that there be divisions among you, and I partly believe it. For there must be also heresies among you, that they which are approved 
may be made manifest among you. When you come together, therefore into one place, this is not to eat the Lord's Supper. For in eating, everyone taketh before other his own supper, and one is hungry, and another is drunken. What? Have ye not houses to eat and drink in? Or despise ye that the church of God, and shame them that have not? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I praise you not. In point six, Paul provided to the church at Corinth instructions concerning the mechanics of the Lord's Supper. And that's 1 Corinthians 11, verse 23 to 26. For I have received the Lord, that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he brake it, and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of me. After the same manner, also he took the cup, when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye, as oft as ye drank it, in remembrance of me. For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do shew the Lord's death till he come. The time of the inauguration of the Lord's Supper was the Passover meal of circa A.D. 33. The Passover recall was a commemoration of the passing over of the death angel in circa B.C. 1450. It also anticipated the death and victory of the Jewish Messiah to come. The Passover, like other Jewish festivals, taught that which was to come. In the case of the Passover, it taught of the church as the ultimate sacrifice. The final Ephesus, Paschal Lamb. He who knew no sin became sin, says become sin for us in order that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Point nine. The disciples and Jesus had gathered together for the evening meal which would begin the Passover celebration and the feast of unleavened bread. Jesus ate this last supper as a special commemoration of his coming spiritual death on the cross. It would also be a reminder for all his followers from that day forward that one day in the future he would return. Jesus said the bread as a symbol, Jesus used the bread as a symbol of his holy body which was broken for us. The bread was unleavened as a symbol of his sinless condition. The unleavened bread also represented our positional sanctification and potential temporal sanctification. Pastor Merritt, pick us up at point 12. Okay, David. The wine was symbolic of his blood, which in turn was symbolic of his spiritual death. Our Lord said, This will be the last Passover meal until I celebrate it in my Father's kingdom. When Christ said, 
Verily I say unto you, I will drink no more of the fruit of the vine until that day that I drink it new in the kingdom of God. He was directing the gaze of his disciples to a future kingdom when we, as the bride of Christ, will be introduced to true Israel. Today, when, as church age saints, we celebrate the Lord's Supper, our gaze is directed to the rapture of the church when we will be caught up in the clouds to receive our resurrection bodies. The shadow has now faded with the coming of the light of the world. That would be Christ Jesus, the Passover Lamb. The Passover, as a celebration, has now been replaced by the Lord's table. Christ became the real Passover lamb, the perfect sacrifice. As a result, there would be no need for any future Levitical offerings. The unique birth, death, and resurrection of God's only begotten made possible our so great salvation. The writer of the book of Hebrews has written, beginning in chapter 10, the temple sacrifices were only a shadow of the good things to come, not the reality itself. The Old Testament sacrifices could never, even though repeated endlessly year after year, make perfect the ones who worshipfully offered them for you see if it were possible for them to make the worshipers perfect then they would not have been repeated for the worshipers would have been cleansed once for all Hebrews chapter 10 makes this clear beginning in verse 3 reading through verse 9 but those sacrifices were only annual reminders. For you see, it is impossible for the blood of bulls and of goats to take away sins. That's why Christ, as he came into the world, said, and this is so very important, I pause for just a moment, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me. With burnt offerings and sin offerings you were not pleased. That's why at the Eternal Life Conference I said to the Father, Here I am. It is written about me in the Holy Scriptures. I have come to do your will, O God. Sacrifices and offerings you did not desire, nor were you pleased with them. And then dropping down to verse 9, So here I am. I come to do your will. My life 
death and resurrection, I will set aside the first covenant and establish the second. Now let me read verse 9 correctly. So here I am. I have come to do your will by my life, death, and resurrection. I will set aside the first covenant and establish the second. It was not by sacrifices and offerings. And we should never fall into that trap. All right, point 17, David, how about it? Paul, in writing to the churches at Galatia, further summoned up the inadequacy of the law in Galatians chapter 2, verses 20 and 21. And they read, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me, and the life I now live in the flesh, I live by a faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not frustrate the grace of God, for if righteousness comes by the law, then Christ dieth in vain. The memorial we celebrated today was a feast of love, a love which is stronger than death. The Lord's Supper is a central ordinance committed to the church. It is designed to bring Jesus himself before our soul. He did not want to be forgotten by those he loved so tenderly. So he instituted this holy supper that wherever and whenever it was deserved, it might recall him vividly to mind. Christ needs no symbols or ordinances in order to remember us, but our love is more often than not inconsistent. We forget so soon. Therefore, we have need of the Last Supper to quicken our affections and revive our thoughts of him. Then, like Mary, the sister of Lazarus, we figuratively bring our alabaster boxes and break them in his presence, pouring the perfume of our worship and adoration upon him. It is fitting that the story of Mary's devotion to Christ should precede that of the supper which he himself instituted. I want to read of Mary's devotion from the account found in Matthew 26. And although I want to, I want to have Pastor Merritt read it more. Okay, David. <laughs> All right. Matthew 26, 6. Reading through Matthew twenty six thirteen. While Jesus was in Bethany in the home of a man known as Simon the leper, a woman came to him with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume, which she poured on his head as he was reclining at the table. When the disciples saw this, they were indignant. Why this waste, they asked. This perfume could have been sold at a high price and the money given to the poor. Aware of this, Jesus said to them, Why are you 
bear, excuse me, why are you bothering this woman? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you, but you will not always have me. When she poured this perfume on my body, she did it to prepare me for burial. I tell you the truth. Wherever this gospel is preached throughout the entire world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. The Roman Catholic and Anglican doctrine of the Mass and the real presence of Jesus in the sacrament is the very opposite of the truth. To teach that the bread and wine become the very body and blood of Jesus as a sacrifice for the sins of the living and the dead is to deny Christ's personal absence and why we celebrate the Lord's table. Recall his command, this do in remembrance of me. David, there is a mess of doctrine in these series of verses, beginning in verse 6, reading all the way through the points. It is to be a remembrance, and there is no teaching that we're going to get rid of the poor of things that we do. The poor, it says, you will always have you with you. All right, back to you, my man. <coughs> Looking forward to Christmas next Sunday. If you are out there traveling, please be careful. I want you back here next Sunday for Christmas. We're looking to do uh, something special for next uh, for Christmas service. Uh, but until next time, <coughs> Pastor Merritt, could you close us in a prayer? Sure. Father, we are grateful for the privilege of being able to have a podcast. We're able to uh, be able to select that which we think we can handle and uh, provide to the airways, if you will, because hopefully we're going to have a change soon called the rapture of the church when the Lord himself shall descend from the heavens with a shout with the voice of the archangel and the dead in Christ shall rise first and we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together to meet those who preceded us in death and uh, go to our heavenly home in absolute perfection so uh, we'll let David close with his famous uh, well I won't encroach upon your famous saying David well until Christmas day so long (laughs) 